When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Athena Brownson. Athena, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, absolutely. So why don't you start off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from? Absolutely. So as you just said, my name is Athena Brownson. I am from Breckenridge, Colorado. I currently live in Denver, Colorado. I work with Compass and I've been a broker for about eight years now. Awesome. And uh, what's the story of what got you into the real estate industry? What was that first exposure of the power of real estate? I laugh at this question because I was doing my research. I listened to a lot of episodes of your podcast, which I love. uh, And I found a very commonality that a lot of us grew up in real estate. And (laughs) I also grew up in real estate. So my father was a residential real estate developer in uh, Breckenridge. So I grew up on job sites, picking out finishes with my mom did the interior design for his projects. And honestly, being kind of growing up on job sites, especially in a mountain community, I had no desire to be in real estate. I associated it with being freezing, waiting for my dad out, you know, on job sites and he was taking too long and I wanted nothing to do with it. But the older I got, you know, the more intrigued I was with the home and I eventually fell into real estate and it was the best fall that I ever took, I would say. And I've taken a lot of good falls in my life. (laughs) Well, speaking of taking some good falls, you mentioned that prior to your real estate career, you were a professional skier. And I'm true fact. (laughs) I'm curious how that translates over now into your real estate career. Absolutely. Honestly. So I'll, I'll start by saying I think that being an athlete, being a professional skier taught me more about the business world than any schooling I've done, any real estate school, any, any coaching has ever taught me. So I attribute my success in business to the fact that I, you know, I grew up 
being coached by some of the most incredible coaches in the world. I skied about 300 days a year for 10 years. In that time, I managed to blow nine ACLs and break my neck twice. So it was, it, it had its fair share of both, you know, me thriving and really performing at my best and also facing some really tough adversity and that adversity has actually taught me so much more in my adult life as I've faced different challenges, health challenges mainly. But, you know, I have fun. I don't know if I'd say fond memories, actually, but I have a lot of memories of coaches. You know, if you don't land a trick right, you're hiking up the mountain. You're not taking a chairlift. And it's little things like that where it's, you know, in business, in real estate, we don't always want to do everything that we need to be doing. And I think of those days and I bite my lip and I say, you know, these things got to get done. And I attribute that all to skiing. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I can relate with that a lot. My early upbringing, I had a couple of sports that were in heavy rotation. One wasn't so dangerous team sport. It was baseball. And that was like the organized sport that my dad supported and, and shout out to dad for paying for all that and driving to the practices and doing everything. But my mom is huge in the off-road community. And like my family is, is pseudo like famous in the off-road community. Like I have an uncle in the hall of fame for the American motorcycle association. My grandpa's in the hall of fame, um, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I grew up, I mean, before I rode a bicycle, I rode a motorcycle (laughs) and, and, uh, motocross was like my, my best sport, right. Compared to other people. I started young. I was like best, best at that. And, uh, that and then surfing were like my extreme sports experiences. Those are extreme. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And both of those have taught me so much about business, adversity, life, perseverance, discipline, consistency. I mean, some of the, just the most important habits and characteristics that you can build that can translate over into the skills that you have with the rest of your life were formed early in those sports. So I a hundred percent agree with you and can, can, can relate to that. Isn't it incredible the things that, you know, we enjoyed doing, obviously, we're passionate about these sports and just the lifelong lessons that you learn, like you said, discipline and how to, how to face adversity and challenges and kind of just pushing through when it, when you, you don't really feel like it. And I think that's some of the most critical business you know, experience you could ever ask for. And it happens to be doing something you're passionate about. And hopefully you can translate that into a career such as real estate that you're passionate about as well. And I think for me, I feel so grateful and so lucky every day to have found a career that I am that passionate about and that I can take you know, those fact, cause this, you know, the sky's the limit in our business. We have the ability to work extremely hard, be disciplined, and there's no ceiling on how far we can go. And I think that it pairs so well with athletics at real estate school. Did I learn much? Probably not <laughs> from my mentors. Did I learn a lot? Absolutely. But I find myself day in and day out going back to things I learned, not even thinking in a million years that they would translate into my adult life. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I can imagine. So do you have an example on top of your mind of something that really translated over? And then we could 
kind of move on to a different topic after that, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious well, if I something comes to mind. Absolutely. So over the last about four years ago, I was actually diagnosed with Lyme disease and oh, wow. Lyme disease turned into, so it was right after I had my last neck surgery. So I've had a couple neck surgeries from skiing and right after I got diagnosed with Lyme disease, my immune system started attacking itself. So I got yeah. autoimmune disease after autoimmune disease after autoimmune disease. And it was going from, you know, being a professional athlete that was on snow 300 days a year to, you know, barely being able to get out of bed. And that, you know, over the last four years, I have a port in my chest right now. I get plasma transfusions every other week. And I honestly don't think I would be able to perform at a high level as a real estate broker facing adversity had I not, you know, learned how to kind of grin and bear it and, and to show up and to show up in whatever capacity you're able to and whatever that looks like every day. And I think that's my biggest, you know, that's something that I continually thought in skiing. It's it's show up, do the best you can do that day. And some days are going to be hard and challenging. And currently I'm in the same position. It's, you know, I'm battling illnesses that would ge generally, you know, put you on bed rest. And I think it would be pretty easy to go down that road but I have learned and just enjoyed real estate so much and it's become a life force for me, but skiing has taught me how to face adversity and really take it head on. And that's what I've been doing for the last four years. <laughs> wow. Well, that is certainly an inspiring story. And... <laughs> What's that? I said, drop that bomb on you. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's certainly an inspiring story and something that I can't relate with personally, but something that is tremendously powerful in seeing you have, you know, have that apparatus on your chest and for the last four years, still selling real estate, living your life, doing the absolute best you can do. And like you said, just kind of like gritting your teeth and moving forward. I think mindset is such a big part of life in general, but especially when you're facing adversity, whether that be something as serious as this or something as, as light as a problem in business that we most times blow up and, you know, we over magnify because, you know, have that perspective. Do, um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, how I can relate though, is that, uh, when I was 16 years old, my father passed away and oh. that was such a powerful and, and monumental shift of everything that I knew yeah. that nothing else after that has even come close to being as significant in my life. So when problems would come up, I would just think back to that experience of grieving and going through that with my family and, and going through doing the work to then truly heal from it over the next, what it was, I guess, six years or seven years to really took to like become the best version of myself after that traumatic event. And now it's like something comes up in business a client cancels or something happens. I'm like, okay, you know, that this everyone's, everyone's okay. <laughs> right. Uh, it just, it yeah, puts things so in perspective when you loss. look at it like that. Yeah. Oh. I'm so sorry for your loss, but thank you. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's part of my story and uh, made me stronger. I've come to now appreciate the 16 years I did have 
uh, rather than be resentful for the time that was lost because that's just no way to live. So uh, yeah, thank Isn't you. It and it puts things in perspective for you in life. And it, it is does so though. You know, I think all the time whenever, you know, a real estate transaction isn't going smoothly or maybe something terminates and and you just think it's like, you know, it's such a little, you know, it's something that we can get through and we can get our clients through gracefully and be there for them because you've been through something that is big in your life. And I think when you take that time to do healing and to do self work and to understand who you are as a person to the core, because it takes you to the core that you can really, I think it allows you the compassion and the understanding to be there for other people, because you understand that if you got through that hardship and if you're getting through these hardships that you can get through anything. And with that, you can get, you you know, you can help others get through anything, which I think is one of the most beautiful lessons that you can learn during trauma is, is how much you get to know yourself, who you are, what you're made of, but also how that translates and how you're able to interact with other people. And, you know, in our business, it's all relationship. And that's what I love about it. But it can be a roller coaster and it can feel like the end of the world sometimes. So being able to kind of be that rock and that backbone for others is the, I mean, one of the best things that's come out of, you know, my hardship at least. Mm. Yeah. I heard a quote that said, maybe you went through your storm so you could help somebody else through theirs. And for me, that sums up what you just said. It's like this trauma can end up being an asset later because you could then help others that have gone through it or are going through it. And you can immediately build rapport and connection with them because you have that common experience that not many other people have. You're qualified to have a different type of conversation with that person and break through. And it all is a part of our human experience when we're talking about relationship-based business and, and building rapport and connections. So yeah, so many, so many great topics here to uh, spin off onto. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, But I would love to now shift to real estate and help you help some others that are going through their own real estate storm. Uh, So to kind of put things in perspective, could you communicate your transaction volume like last year and then, you know, kind of what you're on track for this year? Because then I'll have some follow-up questions based on where you're at. Yeah. So last year I did have my best year and I sold a little like 23 million, but I'd like to say I was in the hospital for two and a half months of, of last year. And I was getting plasma transfusions every three weeks. So I'm pretty proud of myself for, for getting there. I think this year, you know, I, my goal is to hit 30. Um, I do have a very small team, you know, our goal is to hit 60 for the year, but you know, I look back at last year and I think if I can, I was writing an offer in the hospital bed and I was thinking if I can do this, you know, I can get through anything from here on out in real estate. (laughs) Yes. And that's inspiration to anyone out there that, you know, might be struggling to break 10 million, 15 million, 20 million, right? If Athena can do it with two and a half months in the hospital, 
then you can certainly do it no matter what's going on. So it's some inspiration there to, you know, just buckle down and, you know, keep working hard at, at this profession, because if you're in that limbo period where it hasn't really taken off for you yet, and gosh, you've maxed out credit cards and you've spent so much time and you're at this place where you're thinking about going back to some other, uh, other more secure position or day job that you left and you were so excited, but now you're discouraged. Hopefully this will give you inspiration to continue, right? Because that's a really, really powerful story. I think that's so important right now too. I think, you know, there's a lot of tension in the world of real estate, obviously, you know, all over the country, inventory has been extremely limited. Uh, Interest rates are going up and it does make it. So if you're an agent that's at that place in your career, where you're, you don't quite have grasp, you don't quite have your footing. It can be, you know, you start looking around, like, should I be doing this? Is this the right thing for me now? Of course, if it's not your passion and and you don't love it, find your passion. But if it's something that you love and that, that you are passionate about, there are so many resources. I mean, we live modern technology, just the fact that we're able to do this right now. We have so many resources and the ability to learn and to grow as humans. But at the same time, we also have the opportunity to just get back to the basics and to really focus on perfecting the basics and reminding yourself that if you're doing, if you're disciplining yourself, like not disciplining, if you're disciplined in your actions daily, if you're focusing on what your, your absolute must do's are and understanding what those are and, and, you know, taking action to just get the basics done consistently, you will find success. It just takes a little bit of time. Mm, Such great advice. And I would love to dive in. (laughs) You you have that as a reminder in your phone. Totally. (laughs) So I'm curious if you have a single most important action that you've taken on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success And I would be very interested if it is something that came from your professional skiing history that has translated into real estate. But if it's something that's more current um, and applicable to real estate, then I'll just let you take this wherever you want to. You're a mind reader, honestly. Um, (laughs) As a skier, as an athlete, you have a coach. You have someone looking over you that sees the bigger picture and understands where you're going and how, and keeps you accountable for how you're going to get there. I believe that the same thing is necessary in any realm of business, but especially real estate. It is so easy as a real estate agent to get caught up in the stress of transactions and running around town and, and doing, you know, everything that we do. I think it's like 12 jobs at once that we forget to look at the bigger picture and we forget to focus on what we're doing as daily actions that need to be consistent in order to keep our business from ebbing and flowing so much, kind of get some consistency. So what I, I have an incredible real estate coach. I fully believe in the importance of mentorship and coaching. When I began in real estate, I was fortunate enough to be able to just follow around one of the top brokers 
for a year and he was my mentor, but really I just followed everything he did. I listened to how he spoke. I watched him do market analysis. I went to showings with him and I just really soaked up that information. And now as I've progressed into my real estate career, I've been working with a program for about three years now. And I have a different coach every six months who keeps me extremely accountable for my day-to-day activities. So I have a spreadsheet of everything that I need to, of my goals that I need to be hitting every day. And that is between, you know, meeting with people face-to-face, having, going to events, making phone calls, checking in with my sphere. You know, every day I have a different theme day of who I'm going to check in with. And I have to, you know, fill out this greatness tracker every week. And if I'm not, if I don't, you know, if I'm slacking, he's going to hold me accountable for it. And Mm -hmm. he also is able to look at my business from afar and, and go through it with a fine tooth comb and pick up on things that I might be so consumed by transactions that I'm not even paying attention to. And he helps me to see the bigger picture. And I fully wholeheartedly believe that has been one of the biggest things that's been able to keep me going and keep my business thriving through hardship is just the power of mentorship and accountability and coaching. So that's, I would attribute my success to coaching. And really, when I look at what my day-to-day activities are, these are basics that we learn your first year in real estate. You know, it's nothing, we're not reinventing the wheel. It's not trying to do something completely. I mean, innovation is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But I think innovation partnered with basics is absolutely crucial. You know, how are you connecting with people? How are you building relationships with people? And are you making a concerted effort to do so instead of just, you know, getting taken away in transactions and, and showings and the busyness of daily life? It's really prioritizing the basics. And again, I think that really helps with the ebbs and flows. So all agents, not just younger agents, I think getting back to the basics is key. And if you can find a coach, I highly recommend it. (laughs) And that might just be the athlete in me, but I think coaching is one of the best things that I've, you know, ever committed to. Well, coaching is valuable for many reasons and I appreciate you sharing that. But what's most clear to me right now is a quick story of my vacation last week in Hawaii. There was a day where I was on the beach. My whole family was there, my nephews, they're boogie boarding in the shallows. And, you know, I'm out there with them, pushing them into waves. And then all of a sudden we start fighting this current and I'm like, you know, holding him and like pulling him back towards shore because we keep getting sucked towards the outside. And I'm here thinking like, you know, I've been surfing for 22 years at this point. Like I've, I'm literally like, a waterman, like, you know, could, could, uh, be in treacherous waters and be fine. And yet this mom who was 10 feet away said, you guys are in a riptide. I can see it. Why? Cause she wasn't in the situation, right? (laughs) She could look at it from the, uh, the perspective of even an untrained eye and say, what do you just come over here? What are you guys doing? Come 10 feet to the right. Like like, that's all you need to do. And that's the value of coaching, right? 
hundred percent. It's just that outside perspective on like, I know what your goal is. Why, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> that is such a good story. And it's so true. It's, you know, when, when you're in it, you don't see the big picture. You don't understand which way to go. And, and you can be, you know, a seasoned pro and it's still the case. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, man, this is a, per-. even last week, I thought that was a perfect explanation of why a coach is valuable because literally this mom just told me I was in a riptide. I've been surfing 22 years. Like I should have seen it, but I was in it. Right. I was just, Hey, I'm, you know, come on, we got to go to shore. I was just, I was so caught up in the moment. Yeah, and so, yeah. Nephews we're protecting clients. You get so caught yeah. up in it and it's, it's easy to lose sight of, of the bigger picture. And that's where mm-hmm. coaching comes in or someone to keep you accountable. Yeah. The accountability piece is, is really the key. And, uh, you know, there's just so much to be said about that. It's, um, when you call your coach on that Friday or whatever that day is for you and you have to report to them, there's just something in the back of your head leading up to it that says, I don't want to have to say, I didn't do this thing that I said I wanted to do, or was going to do, or or was committed to doing, right? I don't want to have to say I didn't do it because of some excuse. When there's that accountability, it just kicks you into a new level. So it really does. It helps you shift to the next level, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you know, if you, whether it's like, for example, when I don't hit one of my goals, I'm fined by giving money to charity, which we do anyway, of course, like giving back is a huge part of my belief system and business, but it, we literally get fined for not making the right, the phone calls and, And, but apart from that, it's just knowing that you have to look someone in the eye over Zoom, be it, and say that, you know, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And I Mm. think that's everything. And, and, you know, we want to hold integrity and hold ourselves to the highest standard and show up as our best selves. And I think, you know, doing what you say you're going to do and showing up is, is one of the best things that we can do in our day-to-day lives. That's right. Couldn't agree more. So regarding the transaction volume that you're on pace for now, I'm curious what your percentage of referral business is compared to new business that might come from social media or advertising, um, you know, just that type of like sphere and existing versus new. Do you, do you kind of know that percentage? I do a hundred percent. So, and I listening to prior episodes, it's actually a little bit different than what I've heard. And maybe I need to talk to you about marketing more, but mm-hmm. I, my business is about 85% referral based or sphere of influence. I really, really, really focus on nurturing my sphere you know, asking for referrals, but really just taking care of the people that I'm doing transactions with. And I think that goes back to relationship-based business. I do do some, you know, of course I have a social media presence. Uh, I've got a great team that does help me with making sure my Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Google business and whatever else I'm missing are, are up to date and, and constantly in front of people. I do get clients from those resources. I mean, I have people that I've, you know, become very close with from Instagram that I've helped buy houses, but for the most part, I have a referral and, and sphere of influence based business. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. We could definitely talk after. Um, a lot of times, even if social media is dialed, the ad, the advertising portion of it uh, isn't isn't really being done. The remarketing, the comment, the constant lead generation for cold traffic, um, st- stuff like that, that is yeah. automatically being followed up with. Um, that is oftentimes the next level um, when you have good internal systems. And uh, yeah, I checked out your your pages, Instagram, you know, content following everything looks great you know highly engaged um but a lot of times that the ad part is is with that missing link so happy to talk after (laughs) yeah really curious what you think of like where the industry is heading you know the next five ten years what are your what are your projections for what the real estate transaction might look like in say 2030 absolutely so man the real estate transaction i think there's like this battle going on and it's between you know the zillow conglomerates of the world that mm-hmm. kind of want to create a more transactional process in my eyes in my eyes you're losing the human connection you're losing that trusted advisor that you know if you were looking for a doctor you you would look for the best doctor you wouldn't look for an, a company that was just on the internet but i think that there's this one of the reasons that I love the company that I work with Compass is there's this strong belief system in taking innovation. So innovation in marketing, innovation in client experience, innovation in CRM, you know, like you said, getting back to people, like having bots text back really quickly or lead capturing. So I think there's this beautiful space where technology will thrive and should thrive. So using the internet, but then pairing it with the real estate broker that can use these tools to give the consumer the absolute best experience possible. I don't believe that real estate is going to stay, you know, as it, not necessarily as it is now, but I do believe that it's going to evolve, you know, as everything does it, we have so much technology that will things like open door where you can punch in a code and see a house become more prevalent. Yes, probably. But I think where real estate will be successful is in like a marrying of real estate brokers using the best possible technology and then giving the consumer the best experience. And I think it'll, you know, it'll weed out, you know, some brokers, it'll weed out some lenders, but it'll end up being what's best for the consumer just based on where technology has gone. I mean, it's, I can't even wrap my head around everything that tech is doing currently and it's incredible. So how can we marry the two? How How can we take these incredibly innovative tools and pair them with a relationship-based business. And honestly, I hope that's where it's going. We'll see. But that's you know what, what our company really strives for. And I, I do like to think our company is very forward-thinking and innovative. Uh, so we, we shall see. But that's my guess. <laughs> I think it's a great guess. And you know, the mission with what you think. Well, it's it's honestly very similar, so it won't be the most astounding answer. But um, I did some deep brainstorming with my co-founders two years ago 
we all flew out to Scottsdale, Arizona, and just like did a little breakout planning for the next year. And, uh, you know, we were following a lot of like the scaling up practices that that book scaling up, um, Mm -hmm. amazing business book. And we were diving, drilling down on like, okay, what's our real purpose? What's our real thing that we're doing to help impact and make the world a better place. And it was the similar motif of there's this war going on between tech and then the existing real estate industry where tech has kind of infiltrated and helped out, but now is trying to replace the agent entirely. And we're caught in this war where ultimately, I think the best place for it to settle is for the tech-empowered agent to still be able to represent the buyer or seller. And our our like one-liner statement ended up being something very similar to yours. And it was preserving the human negotiation in the real estate transaction. We, we are on the same page. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can automate that. like everything else, but like we want the buyer and the seller to be represented by professionals that know the local market and they can then negotiate on their behalf. The mm-hmm. concept of a single company and you know, I'll just say company A because we don't want to mm-hmm. say any particular iBuyer <laughs> or whatever company, but the idea of that one company being a monopoly on the real estate transaction in the terms of judge, jury, executioner, they are representing the buyer, they're representing the seller, they're writing the contracts, they're creating the mortgage. It's not as, I don't know, I just feel like it's risky. Like that can easily just go so wrong. Like you, you need the checks and balances of the two sides bartering for the buyer or the seller to f- actually meet at the market price. So yeah, I, I just... best interest, honestly. I think go, you need what was someone that? for everyone's best interest. You really do need someone advocating on each side, you right. know, in, in a very peaceful way, but you need, you need someone advocating for your best interests. And I think, you know, unfortunately when everything is a kind of one-stop shop, you do lose that advocacy. And as realtors, we have mm-hmm. a fiduciary responsibility to our clients to take care of them. And I, I put their best interests first. And I worry that that gets lost in translation when there's not human involved, involvement. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we, we agree hundred percent on that. And, you know, I think it's important to just maintain it. And I would imagine that it will, but our whole goal with, with the company that I've founded is to empower a hundred thousand real estate professionals with technology so that it will then impact millions of homeowners in the process. Because if, if we can empower 100,000 agents, then through that process, them have an opportunity to be discovered by the home buyer, the home seller, and then represent them to a higher degree than these companies that are trying to do it, this one-stop shop. Well, then that saved a couple thousand dollars here, a couple thousand dollars there on all these homeowners' experiences, protected them from some downside, saved them from some pitfall. And overall, we've impacted a million homeowners, right? Or millions. So uh, that was that's our, our big, hairy, audacious goal. I love your big, hairy, audacious goal. And I love that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, what are some other books? Yeah, while we're on the book topic, do you have it, like a list of one, two, or three books that you would highly recommend? Oh, definitely. Right now, my motto kind of this year has been all around Atomic Habits, which I've been reading. Mm. And the, you know, the kind of aha moment I had was earlier this year, 
I was feeling just a little bit unmotivated and I'm not someone that gets necessarily feels unmotivated very often, but when you're going through a lot of health things and, you know, I was feeling a little bit burnt out and I was kind of waiting for a moment of, you know, something to click in which my motivation would just skyrocket. Like there is something in life that will just automatically motivate (laughs) you and everything will be different. And I read, I was reading Atomic Habits and I just, I love the concept of every day doing something to just be 1% better. If I can be 1% better every single day, that is going to add up to an absolute landslide of accomplishment. Instead of looking for one big thing to completely come in and change your business or change your life, whatever it may be, if you aim every day when you get out of bed, what is something I can do today to just be 1% better, whether that's making a couple extra phone calls that you didn't want to make or going to the gym and you didn't want to go or going, you know, running an extra mile, whatever it may be, I, that stuck with me and hasn't left my mind. And every day I think that way. And it's, you know, at the end of the year, if, if we're working every day to push ourselves to be 1% better, that is going to end up, you know, getting us so much farther than if we're just looking for these big moments of motivation or big moments of everything getting done. So I love Atomic Habits. I also love Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I don't know if you've read that, but the premise of life will always put circumstances in your life that look like red lights while you're in them. So, you know, something bad happens, you look at it, it's a red light. It's something negative. We don't have a good connotation with it. But as you go back and you start stringing, you know, events in your life together, you start recognizing that those red lights were actually green lights because like we were talking about earlier, the the ad, you know, adversity we face that we might think might be the worst thing in the world at the time actually you know, was a green light because it taught us one of the biggest life lessons that we could have ever asked for. And having that knowledge that we, you know, that maybe red lights are green lights, how can we approach adversity that's in our future? So instead of looking at things, you know, through the perspective of, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. It's okay. You know, this, it's okay for to have bad days, things are, you know, there are bad things that happen and hard things, but coming at them with a perspective of maybe this is a green light in my life that's trying to teach me something. And how can I approach this circumstance in a way that it's actually going to transform me as a human and help me to evolve into a better person? He also says, you know, if you could write a billboard for your life at like at the end of your life, what would you want your billboard to say? And I, you know, and then work backwards from that. So what are your actions every day that are getting you to that billboard to that point where, you know, whether it's something about legacy or, you know, something about success in business, whatever it may be, you know, what is your billboard and what are you doing every day to get there? So those are my two favorites right now. Amazing. I have comments for both. My my first one, what would your billboard be? Uh, 
keep talking and I'll come back. We'll come back to that. I'm going to have to do okay. some thinking. Right. <laughs> I should have known that. So, <laughs> so uh, my second comment is on Atomic Habits, the 1% increase every day. In scaling up, they also talk about if you want to increase top line revenue by 10%, right? Well, there are many factors that go into that. There is the amount of opportunity volume, i.e. leads that are coming in, right? Then there's your closing ratio. And then you're, you know, along the way as well, like leads, appointments, contracts, closings, right? There's all these percentages along the way. And Mm -hmm. so if you want to bump the end by 10, instead of focusing on that, which is kind of a lagging indicator, why don't you go to the leading indicators and bump up your lead volume by 2% and your conversion rate here, here, and here by 111. And then the compounding effect how they multiply on each other, it just explodes. It's right? way more so, than 50%. That you yeah, yeah, it could be, end up being 30% increase of top line revenue with a couple of 2 or 1% tweaks along the way. It's so true. And it's often like going back to what I said about the basics. And it is often going back to the basics of what makes us successful and just tweaking it a little bit and making sure that you're doing, you know, making those tweaks and that you're aware of that. Because if you're consistently tweaking and raising the bar, it compounds and you're exponentially farther than you ever thought you would be. And what would my billboard be? It would be something about a life well lived. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that for the rest of my life probably, or you can do hard things. (laughs) I like that one. You can yeah. do hard things. Well, well I, I tell me, myself that all the time. I'm like, you can do hard things. Let's go. <laughs> I like that. That's that's a great one, honestly. Right? I'm like, whatever, yeah. you know, even if it's just that you're tired that day or whatever's going on, but I tell myself all the time, I'm like, you can do hard things. Pull up the bootstraps. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier? Hmm. You know, I knew you were going to say that. So I prepared. <laughs> I am curious if ever anyone's ever had, had a question that you should have asked them, but I wanted to just share a quote that it really sums up everything you and I have been talking about that my coach told me, and it really just sticks with me every day. And that is you're either, and it, it goes back to, I had such a hard time not saying it when, when you were talking earlier about some adversities you faced, but you're either in a storm, going into a storm, or coming out of a storm. So the idea that no matter where you're at in life, you know, if things are really good, you have to understand that bad things do happen in life and you have mm-hmm. to be able to expect expect that, but with a attitude of positivity. And it's like, how can we prepare ourselves for the hardships that do come in life and the adversities that we do face? And understand that it's part of, you know, it's part of the different storms of life and that you really do have the ability to conquer so much more adversity and, and get through so much more than you actually thought you ever could. And oftentimes, you know, I think my, I pick a word every year and this year, my word is grit. And I honestly believe that when 
you're going through hardships, it's so easy to kind of just throw the towel in. And those are the moments that we are formed into the best versions of ourselves. And I think grit is grinning down and getting through whatever it is that you're going through and understanding that, you know, bad things aren't going to last forever. You will come out of it. And if you have the right perspective, you'll come out of it a bigger, better version of yourself. If things are really good, you know, hardship might be coming and there's always going to be something. It's just how we approach it. So my friends, you can get through anything that is giving you trial currently. I am a strong believer that, you know, together we can get through adversity and that every day, if you just focus on being the best you can be and showing up, and even if showing up that day just means getting out of bed and maybe changing your pajamas to sweatpants, then that's what it is that day. But make sure that you're showing up for yourself. Otherwise you can't show up for anyone else. That's my wisdom for the day. <laughs> oh, you are certainly an example of the wisdom as well. So Thank way to, way to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. You as well. It's been such a fun conversation. I really appreciate the opportunity. Likewise. How can listeners contact you? Dear listeners, you can contact me. I'm going to say the easiest way is my Instagram, which is Athena Brownson Realtor. I'll spell that just in case. A-T-H-E-N-A-B-R-O-W-N-S-O-N. R-E-A-L-T-O-R. And my phone number, website, and uh, email are all on there. So it's a one-stop shop for anything you need. (laughs) There you go. Athena Brownson, everyone. She's out in Colorado. Very inspiring story of her transition from professional skier to professional real estate agent. And also with the adversity that she is experiencing physically, still selling over 20 million in real estate herself, managing a team that's on pace for 60 million this year. This has been an incredible conversation and I really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you all. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.